So if you're still open where you were, you're not far from where we want you to be. Hallelujah. Last week, or the last time I was with you, we began a series on finances. And you know, God cares about your finances. He cares about what's going on with you naturally and financially and materially. And like every other area of our lives, uh, we, you know, we spend time in the world, we're conditioned by the world. Uh, many of us were raised like I was in religious settings, and some of that was good and some of that was bad. And, um, but we have to renew our mind to what the Word says about every arena of our life if we're going to really walk with God to the highest, the highest flow. Amen? And um, anyway... Praise God. So we're going to get into this. If you missed that first message, then I encourage you to go back. It's on our website, on our podcast, Facebook, YouTube. Wouldn't cost you anything. And, uh, and go back and listen to it. And we'll say some of uh, what we said before. I know my wife likes to make fun of me as if she doesn't know that I watch how she picks on me. And uh, I'll just leave that there. But uh, praise the Lord. I appreciate Pastor Amber and the preacher she is and the preacher that she's becoming. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so we'll just jump right into it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I am going to read this again in the Amplified Translation. Uh, I like how it reads. It says, For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though He was so very rich. Everyone say rich. Anybody been saying those words the last couple weeks? Rich. Yeah, it's a four-letter word, but so is holy. Right? Amen. Though Jesus was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor. In order that by his poverty or through his poverty you might become enriched. And then in the then it it clarifies abundantly supplied. Now, I'm going to purpose to read quite a few scriptures this morning because there's been there's so many diverse opinions about God's will when it comes to finances. Amen? But I'll have a little funny with you, okay? But you, you believe in prosperity. Every one of you. You do. Uh, if, if there's an exception in the room... Then, then I will repent. But this is how I know that everyone in here believes in prosperity. This is how I know. When was the last time that the boss called you in and said, you know, we're so pleased with you and what you're doing for the company. We're going to give you a $25,000 bonus. And we'd also like to 
increase your pay by 25%. How many in this room have said, Boss, I'm sorry. I'm a Christian. I believe in poverty. And, and I, I got enough to, to eat by. My, my tires are bald, but I got enough. And the Lord doesn't want me to have any more. So I'm turning down the bonus and I'm turning down the race. <laughs> Who in here has ever been offered an increase and you turned it down for those reasons? I'll repent. I'll get on my knees and repent. Don't be a hypocrite then. Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Amen. You were glad that you got a dollar more an hour. You were glad you got that bonus. How many of you parents, your child comes home and goes, you, you say, how'd the interview go? It went great. It went great, Ma. It went great, Dad. I mean, they hired me and they give me, I've got health insurance now. They're going to give me a car. I mean, I, I, this is great. And I can come to church. And it's just, it's just so wonderful. And your parents said, no. That, that's, that's too much. That's, that's too much. That's, that's unholy. Anybody? Anybody ever did that? What parent would not Rejoice. Go over to Psalm 35 with me. You see, we get in church settings and we put on religious airs. And I, I just don't know what other word would be better for it. We get hypocritical. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's like this is one of the subjects that is supposed to be taboo in the church, like we can't talk about it. Well, I'm going to talk about it. Dr. Dufresne, he said this when he was on the earth, he was my spiritual father. And he said, preachers, understand this, you're going to get a holy hush when you talk about people's weight, when you talk about their kids, and when you talk about money. You get to get a holy hush. Amen. Now I hope this church has come a, lot, a little bit further than most churches that I don't get a holy hush. I'm going to show you in a moment. This subject is good news. It's not bad news. It is good news. Hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm 35, verse number 27 let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let, the, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Which is ticked off every time you get blessed. Which has pleasure 
in your prosperity. Does God take pleasure when His children do well? Is this, is this Chris Cody's opinion? Or are we reading the Bible? We're reading the Bible. I say we're reading the Bible. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. What would the opposite of that be then? He would take displeasure if you're poor. It would not please him for you to lack. It would displease him for you to be behind on your bills. Not that he would be angry with you, but like I would, I would be grieved to watch my kids struggle in life. What parent does not want and desire? What parent has not, what good parent has not sacrificed? Amen. Things they wanted, things that they dreamed of doing, put off things, they, places they wanted to go to set their children up for success, to help them to have a better life than they themselves had. Well, are we better than God? Are we better parents than God? Amen. I tell you, I am just believe, I am going to chip away at this wrong religious poverty thinking until there's no trace of it left in your brain. Now, I understand that money isn't everything. Amen. And especially in, in spiritual matters, there's, there's a whole lot more important than money. But listen, money, money, you deal with money every day. Every single day. Every single day. You're going to leave here, you're going to go eat? You're going to have to talk about money. You're going to have a Super Bowl snack? You're going to have to talk about money. You're going to watch that game on television? You're going to talk about money. You're going to live under a roof and not out in the street? You're going to talk about money. Money, money, money. Everywhere you go. But you can't talk, to, you know, the church can't talk about it. That's, that's, that's the devil. And the devil, man, we're, this, this is, we're at the last, the last brink. And if we Christians, man, we've got revelation on healing. We understand about the anointing. We've got the gifts of the Spirit. We understand things about dominion. If we get the money too, it's over for him. It is just over for him. And I'm so excited about some of the things that are happening. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a collaboration among ministers in our camp about how to establish businesses and to collect high-end money people in the body of Christ and uh, to, to form a foundation because we need to plant word and spirit churches all over America. All over America. You'd be shocked. You probably don't know, but you'd just be shocked. Tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of churches have closed since COVID. They, they've never reopened. And in huge cities, like I heard this, that there is not one Holy Ghost moving church right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma that we know anything about. And in Tulsa, Oklahoma, used to be the Mecca. Used to be the Mecca in the body of Christ. It's dry. There is not, now there might be one, I don't know everything, but there's not one word and spirit church like this that I know anything about in the Oklahoma City metro area. 1.1 million people. 
It's that way city after city. Story. We must plant churches. And we don't have time to fool with a worldly bank. But what if there was a foundation with a board of Holy Ghost pastors? And a pastor said, hey, I'm going to go to a certain city and I, I, there's three acres bought. And the foundation owns it. And maybe that local church pays them off instead of a worldly bank. How much you need for a building? How much you need for a sound system? you got to think outside the box. Amen. We have to enlarge our hearts. We have to enlarge our minds. We have to enlarge our thinking. There's a large work to do in this earth. Amen. And it's going to take money. Lots of money. Trillions of dollars. But okay, maybe you, maybe you choke on that. Let's get back to you. God cares about you. You are his child. He is your father. And a father takes personal ownership and responsibility about the welfare, the where, the, what am I trying to say? Welfare of his own children. The prodigal son, when he showed back up, God didn't, he, the son said, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I'm not asking for that. Just make me as one of your, I'll live in the servant's barracks. I'll be happy to do it. I've been eating pig slop. I would just like to be in fellowship with you, Dad. I'm sorry for what I've done and how I've been living. I'd love to just work as a hired hand. Did Dad go, yeah, I think that's a great idea. No, come on, come on. What, what did the father do? He turned to the servant and he said, you go, get to the, you go get the family ring box. And you pull that ring out and you put it on his finger. And you put some sandals on this boy's feet, some Birkenstock sandals. And you get to robe out. My son was lost, but now he's found. Let's kill the fatted calf and have a party and celebrate. And that's how God wants to treat his backslidden children. How much more you who love him, worship him, serve him, work for him. God wants to help you and bless you. He wants you to have the desires of your heart. He, he wants you to have a whole lot more than what you need for your little deal. So that you can be a blessing. We have got to obliterate this satanic deception in the body of Christ that we're doing God a service by being poor. Now listen, no condemnation. We all start where we start. I mean, when Amber and I, it was a real, sincerely, it was a... A leap of faith for us to move into a two-bedroom apartment instead of a one-bedroom apartment. And that two-bedroom apartment was 50 whole dollars more a month. Amen. And we furnished it primarily, not bad, but with garage sale items. We started where we started. Plastic cabinets, linoleum tile. Stained carpet. We had a, an oriental family that lived underneath it. God bless them. And they fried food every single night. And the grease smell had saturated the pad of the carpet, the drywall. It smelled like oriental grease pit. 
That's where Amber and I started. Amen. Very, 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 very used cars. But listen, here's the deal. When it comes to Christianity, listen, this, is, we're ta- this series is called Rich God's Way. And, and if you're going to walk in the blessing of God I'm teaching you in, you cannot be thinking about money all the time. Money cannot be dominating all your thoughts and all your decisions. God wants people who will love Him, put Him first, obey Him, don't compromise, worship Him, not money, chase Him, not money, live to be in His will above all else, no matter what the cost, And if you will live like that, the blessings of God will come upon you and overtake you. It is totally opposite to the way the world thinks. I'm not walking around thinking about money all the time. Listen, can I help you? Be plan-minded, not money-minded. What's the plan? So, for instance, Mexico City. The plan, according to God through Dr. Jacobs, who was the leader of that trip, is that for us to go as a ministry team and bless and impart into that pastor's family and that local church and minister there. And Dr. Jacobs has figured out that he doesn't have to stay in a dive wherever he goes. So he picked the nicest hotel in Mexico period, that that we know anything about. And he didn't ask me if I had it in the budget to go to that hotel to stay. So it would be easy for me to start thinking about, okay, uh, will money let me go? Will the account let me go? But I don't think like that anymore. What is the plan? What is God's plan? And if it is God's plan for us to go, and we are king's kids, then God will fund a nice hotel where we can eat safely and not have to use our faith against dysentery. And we can drink the water if we need to, and we can eat the salad. and have We don't have to chase around other restaurants. We can stay right there and have nice food, live in a nice room, be safe, unafraid about the cartel. Amen. Be plan-minded. God funds the plan. He funds the plan. Amen. And God's got a plan for you to have a house, to have a car, to have money, to be blessed, to buy clothes, to be a blessing in this community, to be a funder of kingdom projects. Is anybody with me in here this morning? I'm preaching good. You're doing pretty good amen, but I think I'm out preaching you a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God takes pleasure in our prosperity. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And to it God adds no sorrow. Some folks, to get the money they need, they have to sacrifice their marriage. 
They don't ever get to be together. That sorrow attached to money. I said that sorrow attached to money. Now, like our truck drivers and different things, if that's the will of God, there's a grace on you and your wife. I said there's a grace on you and your wife. We need those truckers out there. Did you know that? We need those guys out there. You, you ladies wouldn't have no shampoo if those, if those men and women aren't out there in that truck. We need them out there and God will anoint, but there's a grace on you for that. We need police officers working the night beat. We need that. We need firefighters that are, we need those nurses and doctors that are there at 3 a.m. when you have a brain aneurysm. Somebody, that's not us, but... But there's a grace when you're in the will of God. There's a grace on you for that. There's not a sorrow attached to God's will. Some people, to have the money they need, they break down their bodies. They have to break down. They never rest. They break down their bodies. They overwork. If people would just realize, if I would put my foot down and make a commitment, I'm going to rest one day a week. God commanded it. He called it the Sabbath. You're going to rest one day a week. Amen. Praise God. I'm just kind of shotgunning it out there at you today. I haven't even looked at my notes yet, but amen. Praise God. Go with me to, um, oh, I've got so many scriptures. And I know what time it is. But kickoff is not till 530. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy. No, 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 no. Let's go to Genesis first. Praise the Lord. And listen, the doors are unlocked. You got some place to be. Nobody be mad at you. You just might miss something. And I'm not going to keep you much longer anyway. Hallelujah. I never finish a sermon, visitors. I just don't. I just have to stop. And we'll just pull it over the side of the road and we'll see you next week. So if you're, if you're worried because, oh my God, he hadn't even come to his grand conclusion yet. I probably won't have one, so you're all right. Amen. Genesis chapter 12. God makes a covenant with a man named Abram. Let's look at it very quickly. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred or your family, and from your father's house, and do a land that I will show you. In other words, I'm not going to talk to you about it now, but I'll show it to you when I'm ready. <laughs> That's right. You think about that. He had to pack up and get out there and start walking. He didn't even know what direction to face. That's faith. And then God begins to say, and I will. Now, this is how God works. If you will, I will. Who goes first? This is how God moves. If you will, I will. What if you don't? As my Mexican brothers and sisters say, you get nata. So he begins to say, I will. God says, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. When you read that, think, 
I will empower you to succeed. I will empower you to prosper. And I will make your name great. Other translations say, I will make your name distinguished. You know, God is underway in making the Cody name a name. Like the Dufresne name. And it's not just for preachers. The blessing of the Lord, you'll be a distinguished name. Amen. The shoemakers. Isn't that right? Yeah, you say amen to that? Yeah, we the shoemakers. Oh yeah, I know y'all, y'all own all that land, all that yet? Yeah, we the shoemakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a, you shall be a, and I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Turn one page if you need to to Genesis 13. Genesis 13, verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that they had, and Lot was with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Sometimes I carry silver around my pocket. To remind myself that I have a covenant with God because I am one of Abraham's great grandkids. That God said He would multiply my silver. So you need to get even just a, even just a little bit. You can get an ounce of silver for less than thirty dollars. What is what is a uh, hundred thousand times zero? Zero. So if God's going to multiply, you got to have at least a little silver. Someone heard me say that and they gave me some gold. Just a little amount. But I said, I, thank you. Because now i got gold. And he can multiply, right? Even if it's .001 ounce times 100,000, it's more than zero. It's, a, it's something, something. Now, if you really feel like I'm petting your fur backwards, I mean, this, everything I'm reading to you is from the Holy Writ. Everything I've said to you is in perfect harmony with the scriptures we've read. God wants you blessed. What did the blessing of God do to Abraham, Abram straight away? It says, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Well, if you don't want cows, give them to me. Go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. You know, I'm not preaching this prosperity message because I have a lot of money. I've been preaching prosperity from the Bible since I was in that apartment. It's not about how much money you have. It's what does the Bible... I, I, I preach healing when I feel bad. Because it's in the Bible. Amen. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. You know, God told me once, I was, uh, had been invited when they had their church uh, up the road, the Hickses. 
I was laying there that afternoon. It was a Sunday night where you asked me to minister. And God said this to me. It's in my Prosperous Journey book. He said, son, anyone who has never heard the prosperity message has not heard the full gospel. That's right. Amen. Then he said, furthermore, any preacher who has not preached the prosperity part of the gospel has not preached the full gospel. I'm a full gospel person. Are you? Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, we're almost done, but he said, Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the, right? For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the first thing he pointed out. Not the second, not the third, not the fourth first thing he pointed out that he was anointed from God to do is to proclaim good news to the poor. See, I, I, I would serve my father for nothing because of what he did for me. But I love him even more because I found that he's a good father that doesn't want me sick and he doesn't want me broken up in my mind. He doesn't want me oppressed. And he doesn't want me poor. And I love him even more for that. Well, Isaac is Abraham's firstborn. So that blessing, you remember that the blessing went down the line. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. For time's sake, I'm skipping around here. But look at Genesis 26. Let's, let's see something about what this blessing did in his life. Verse 1, it says, And there was a famine in the land. Besides, or different from the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him, Isaac, and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Amen? Amen? So... The Bible says that he sowed in that land of famine. Look at verse 12. In Genesis 26, 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. A hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward. Sounds like 2023. And grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks, possession of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. I love it from the New King James. The New King James of verse 13 says, And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. <laughs> so much so that sinners envied him. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Well, let's conclude over here in Deuteronomy. Just keep going to the right several books until you hit Deuteronomy in chapter 8. 
And people say, and I'm closing. People say, well, Jesus was poor. Tell me when. On the earth, when was he poor? Well, on, on the cross, he became poor. But before that, tell me when. What makes you think? Other than that some religious person taught you that, told you that, portrayed that of him on television. You know, the Bible says that at his death, the Romans took that seamless garment. They cast lots and they tore his other clothes because it had seams. And so that each of the Roman soldiers could have a piece. But of that seamless garment, it was too expensive, too rare. Notice Jesus wore Armani to the cross. He wore the best. Imagine what it would cost to take one piece of thread and make an entire garment for the whole body. You didn't piece anything together. What kind of craftsmanship? What would that kind of cost today? Dr. Jacobs just bought me a custom jacket. And uh, they're sending the fabric over from overseas. And, but the guy's going to, he's going to build the sleeve. And he's going to build the cape. He's going to build the shoulders and the body. And then he's going to sew it all together. We're not talking about that. We're talk and that, I'm not even going to tell you how much that, that was. You'll get mad at me maybe. And I didn't even buy it. But think about one piece of thread from the, from the toe to the head. That's expensive. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, that there were women, business women, wealthy women, that ministered to Jesus out of their substance, out of their resources. Jesus had part, he had financial backing for his traveling ministry. He fed 15 to 20,000 people twice without a credit card, without a Walmart, without a Costco. See, real prosperity, this is how I define prosperity. Bible prosperity is the ability to tap into heaven's resources to meet material, earthly needs. It wasn't a matter of how much he had in his pocket. When he wanted an upper room, fully furnished, he just had to say the word. And God was moving in his circumstances and that guy was, well, I wondered who I was getting all this stuff ready for. The donkey he rode, he, the best, a virgin donkey, no one had ever, without blemish, no one had ever ridden it. Would you get on a donkey that's never been ridden? Would, would you get on a horse that's never been broken? You know what Jesus walked up to that unbroken donkey and said, simmer down. And that donkey just, I, I am here. I was made for this moment. Climb right on. And he marched. Didn't cost him a penny in earthly dollars. Jesus was not poor. Those magi that showed up, it says they opened unto him of their treasures. They had enough political clout and finances that with one word history tells us, they could dispose a king. They could uninstall a king. And install a new king in any realm by word. That's how much clout they had. And they showed up with Jesus as a baby. Jesus had a baby. Jesus had a trust fund. Jesus was 
not poor. Jesus received expensive gifts. That perfume? Amen. A year's wages, it said that's what that was worth. A year's pay. She dumped the whole thing on him. And he received it. He did not say, now that's too much. That's excessive. Judas even stood up and said, Ah, yeah, should not have been sold and given to the poor. And the Bible says, and he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he wanted the money to go in the bag because he was the treasurer and he'd been stealing money out of the... You're not, if you're poor, no poor man's got a treasurer. You got some beggar on the street and he's got a servant behind him with a bag. And the servant is stealing from the poor man's bag. And he, you know if Peter had found out that Jude, or James and John, they found out that he's stealing from the bag, they'd have skinned him alive. So there's enough money in that bag that he could take from it and nobody knew. Jesus was not poor until he went to the cross. And he went to the cross and became poor so that you and I, through his poverty, might be abundantly supplied. Hallelujah. I'm closing right here. Say, I don't believe it. Well, I don't blame you, but I... Deuteronomy 8, verse 6. Now, this is the old covenant talking to the Hebrews under the law. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a bad land. No, a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees. Pomegranates, I don't like those, but a land with olive oil and honey. A land where you will eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. And when you have eaten and are full. See, some of you, when you leave here today, you're going to go have an appetizer and dessert. Kids, go ahead and stretch your parents. Did you hear what pastor preached? I think I'll get the filet. <laughs> Amen. Sorry, parents, but you need to be stretched. You shall not lack anything in it. Amen. When you are eaten and are full, you shall bless the Lord. See, prosperity shouldn't make you less excited about Jesus. Right? He says, you're going to bless the Lord. Your God for the good land which He has given you. Beware that you forget the Lord your God in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and you have built goodly houses. I spent time yesterday to understand goodly. And goodly means aesthetically pleasing, beautiful. You do a deep dive into that word and it means it's pleasant and happy to you to be in that house. 
you like it. Others may not like it, but you like it. Amen? That's the kind of house God wants you to have and dwell therein. And when your herds and your flocks do what? Not shrink, multiply. And your silver and your gold is multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. He said, beware that your heart not be lifted up and that you forget the Lord your God that brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Amen. Skip down to verse 16. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you and prove you to do you good at your latter end. And you say in your heart, he's, he's given a warning, beware, don't say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But remember, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. Wouldn't it be stupid if poverty was God's will for him to give us ability to get wealth? I don't believe God's stupid, do you? I'm not trying to be disrespectful using that word. I, it would be dumb for God to give people ability to get wealth, to put them in a land that's got gold and silver and streams and good farmland and iron and copper and silver and tell them to dig it out of there if it wasn't his will for them to have it and enjoy it. He just said, beware that you start thumping your chest and saying, look at me, look at me. Look what I did. Look how smart I am. I'm a self-made man. Ain't a self-made man in here. God gives you your next breath. God gives you your next heartbeat. He gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. See, in God's mind, his covenant is not fully established while we lack. The pastor, you're reading out of the Old Testament. The New Testament is a new covenant that Hebrews 8, 6 says is built on better promises. So for the new covenant to be better, we have to at least have everything they had under the old or it's not better. I'm a simple person. He said the new covenant's better. So we have to have everything that they could have had and more or it's not better. Did you get anything out of that today? Can I ask you a final question? You could zip up your Bible and all that. Did Jesus keep the law? Did he fail to keep in even one jot or tittle the law? What did God say would happen to a man that kept God's commandments, that kept his precepts, that walked in his ways? Did he not say that all these blessings would come upon you and overtake you? Then friends, I'll leave you with this thought. It would then be impossible for Jesus not to be profoundly, abundantly blessed. Because if anyone kept the law, he did. If anyone obeyed the Father, he did. If anyone walked in God's ways, he did. It's perhaps the greatest proof that Jesus could not have been poor. He obeyed the law. 
And God promised abundant blessings to him that keeps it. Amen. 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 Well, I know that's, it's, a, it's a teaching, but we need it. I said we need it. You can stand up on your feet this morning. Thank you for doing such good listening. You still have five hours and seven minutes to kick off. Hallelujah. Praise God. See again, if you take anything with, with you today, take this. Be plan-minded, not money-minded. God funds the plan. I'm not, I, I've learned this. I wasn't smart enough, but I learned it. I am not, never again, am I going to ask my checkbook if I can do what God told me to do. God told me to go to California and teach in the Bible school. Then I will have the money. God told me to build this building. He, he'll, he'll help us maintain it and improve it. Amen. And if God is not big enough to keep me in shoes and ties and shirts and clothes as I serve Him, then I'll just put my Bible down and go back into the world. That's not my aim, but I'm just telling you, God is big enough. He is big enough. Amen. Amen. Father.